Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, is the one who knows just about everything there is to know, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. I guess, Miles, you're right. It is kind of in the first quarter of the movie that they do the the prayer to dear baby God. Which is completely ridiculous. Yeah. That you think that the movie should end there. And I'm not saying it should end there. I'm just saying the back half of the movie is what we not learned, as good. Once he, what we learned in the pre-show. His fall from grace. I don't find the, the fall from grace section as funny. It, what we learned in the pre-show, for those of you who don't join us, which you can do by going to joingml.com. Joingml.com. It's pretty simple. You could join us for this. And you can hear the whole thing. <laughs> because what I'll, I'm going to summarize for you quickly. What we learned is Nate hates all of Will Ferrell's movies. (laughs) And I just define that, I I find that utterly disgusting and a betrayal of our friendship, honestly. I said nothing of the sort. Although, you do realize they're all the same. I mean, he's at at the top of his his game, leader in whatever the field it is. Look at, see the defensiveness he's coming back with? He has a fall from grace, and then he has to come back. This is what I deal with in this friendship. It's all the same. Just defensiveness, and he, he can't own or accept his wild claims. So, okay, all right. But I'll you guys it. need you need to hear it for yourself. I'll uh, watch it sometime. Join gml.com. I'll check it out sometime. Go, okay, go hear it for yourself. This is Good Morning Liberty, where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of the best Will Ferrell movie that there is. You guys, tell me what your favorite one is, beginning to end. Best Will Ferrell movie. I want to know by the end of the podcast, the people in the live group, let us know. Everyone else who's going to email me, stop. I'm not going to read them. This is for people in the live group. But anyway, if you want to hang out with us, like Charlie said, join gml.com. And uh, we do a show like every day of the week when we want to. When we want to. So make sure you're following and subscribing. This is going to be a little bit of a different show because I didn't just bring in a ton of news stories and we're just going to roll through 87 different news stories. A large portion of this is going to be a conversation slash argument that has been going on on our Twitter because I commented on one of Nina Turner's posts and got a lot of people upset some people, honestly, I wish I could have blocked, but it wasn't. Well, I could have blocked them. I wish I could have removed them from the thread, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, I guess what we'll do. Hey, first off, check out this ridiculous thing. You guys know that thing going on with the queen you heard? Well, um, hang on. I want to. I wanted to preface this okay. one. You want to preface even Well, harder. I wanted to ease everyone's... Because this con- is a preface. Well, I wanted to ease everyone's concerns. Okay. I know with the passing of the late Queen Elizabeth, everyone was concerned that... King Charles would lose uh, money in the mm-hmm. inheritance tax. Yeah. And everyone was concerned about that. Like, oh my God, the royal family is you know, going to have hundreds of millions, not billions of dollars now. Mm. And that was one of the concerns I saw trending. One of the main things. One of the main things. Mm-hmm. But have no fear, folks. Have no fear, because this tweet from Fortune here, uh, the queen's personal assets will now be passed down to Charles III, King Charles, once he officially takes the throne and due to a special legal clause that aims to avoid erosion of the royal family's wealth, we don't want to do that. Mm-mm. He won't pay the 40% inheritance tax. Which is not, I mean, that's good for that Brit, you know? Sure. Now, All the other Brits must do this. They don't have the right blood. 
They don't. Yeah. That's the but problem. This eases the, you know, the common folks. Yeah. Fears. Now of the crown losing all of this, all their pounds. Now, like what we're <laughs> seeing their here in the live group, I will, I will say, and I'm sure Charlie will agree. I'm glad that he's not going to have a 40% inheritance tax. I think that's uh, totally fine. I don't think anyone should have an inheritance tax. I think that uh, there's no reason that the government or anyone else should get claim on anything that your family has created or that your family stole from a bunch of people a thousand years ago mm-hmm. or however long ago, however long ago it was. Uh, but I don't think the government needs to come in and tax it. The obvious unfairness of this, the blatant unfair. I, if I were in Britain, I think I would be upset. Honestly, just a little bit upset. And the correct answer is not to tax King Charles the Third. The correct answer would be to not put any inheritance tax on anyone. But just imagine the the blatant kick in the head, slap in the face, punch in the teeth. Well, look how they qualify this. Mm-hmm. So that they don't just say due to a special clause, he won't pay the 40% inheritance tax. They said... They explain it. Well, this aims to avoid erosion of the royal family's wealth. As if that would be so horrible. Just imagine carving out, literally carving out one family and saying, oh, we don't want to erode your family's wealth. Everyone else? Totes fine. Yeah. Who cares? Not your family. Because they got their wealth, honestly. Gosh. Just a ridiculous thing from the weekend that we wanted to mention. Speaking of governments taking money from people, this interesting article here from Reason. Now, we're going to be going from this into a little bit of a talk about government taxation and reparations today. So just be prepared for that talk because that's what was blowing up on our Twitter all weekend. But anyway, from reason, Americans spent more on taxes last year than on food, healthcare, education, and clothing combined. We're going to skip into the article when they get into some of the details. On average, each consumer unit, and this is averaged out, paid more than 16000 in taxes last year. This outpaces average spending on food, clothing, education, and healthcare combined. The mean total for sp- spending per unit on healthcare, food, education, clothing was $16,721. This included an average 8K on food, 5 on healthcare, 1 on education, and 1.7 on apparel. The mean for total spending per unit on taxes was, like we said, just a little bit over 16, almost 17. So that included the federal income tax, state, local income taxes, property taxes, social security deductions, and other taxes. This is kind of, I don't know, I would find it to be disturbing. They use that word in the next paragraph, but just, just think about that. Think, think about the fact that all those essential items that people pay for, that now, on average, people are paying more towards the government than they're paying on all of those essential items combined. Well, it's for your, think about the things you get just, from the government. Just Nate. like old Thomas Jefferson envisioned, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So they say, in addition to this disturbing tidbit, the new BLS data contains a wealth of other information on American spending habits and offers an interesting glimpse at recovery and inflation during the second year of the pandemic. Quote, average annual expenditures for all consumers uh, in 2021 were 67K, which was a 9.1% increase from 2020. During the same period, the CPI rose 4.7% and the average income increased 3.7%. So CPI went up, income did not follow, and spending went up by 
basically double that amount. You put all those things together, and you can see why people are talking about recession, which we're in right now. Uh, the highest expenditure category was housing at an average of 22 per consumer unit, including the property taxes. Housing's getting more expensive. Even though the prices on houses, if you're going to buy them, are going down, there's a little bit of an adverse effect of this whole housing recession that we're in right now, which is people are building less houses. People are less likely to sell the houses. That makes less houses available for rent or less units available for rent, which makes the rents go up, which is why people are still expecting the core price inflation to be up by 0.3% month over month when the numbers come out tomorrow. We get CPI data tomorrow, so we get to talk about that. Mm. Anyway, I just wanted to give everyone that little bit of information. And what are you getting for it? Everyone's super happy with where all that money's going? All right, this from CNBC. Bank of America launches zero down payment mortgages to help minorities buy their first homes. Now, mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know if we remember anything from the last <laughs> financial crisis. Oh, that's right. We don't. No, we don't. Okay. History never repeats itself. Uh -uh. To help narrow a home ownership gap among black and Hispanic Latino communities, Bank of America is launching new zero down payment, zero closing cost mortgage products to help people in minority communities buy their first homes. Now, I'm going to interject real quick. They say it's to help minority communities buy their first homes. And... I guess I can't, I guess I don't know exactly why they're doing it, but I could guess um, it's because they're running out of buyers for homes right now. And so now they're going to this zero down payment, zero uh, closing cost. By the way, it's not zero. <laughs> no. Just no. so you know, folks. So for all of our uh, black and Latino listeners uh, or Latina listeners. Latinx. This is not, it's not zero. This gets added in to the cost of your home <laughs> that you, you will they pay, in, pay interest mm -hmm. on. This actually makes more money for them. At a higher rate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not zero. Now, the other thing I, that, that this first does to me is it like, it says that like black people and Latinas and Latinos are not good enough to buy homes, mm -hmm. which is false. Like there are many black people in the Latin community that have purchased homes. You know, it's like, oh, they can't get ahead because the system is racist. Well, that's not true. There are many people who qualify and some people don't want to do it. And some people make poor financial decisions. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the program is called the Community Affordable Loan Solution. The C-A-L-S, CALS. It will be available to certain markets, including majority black and or Hispanic Latino neighborhoods in Charlotte, North Carolina, Dallas, Detroit, Los Angeles, and Miami. The loans are subject to rigorous underwriting and are based on credit guidelines, including on-time bill payments, uh, including rent, utilities, phone, and auto insurance payments. Racist. Eligibility is based on income and home location. No minimum credit score or mortgage insurance is required. Quote, our community affordable loan solution will help make the dream of sustained ownership attainable for more black and Hispanic families and is part of our broader commitment to the communities that we serve. This is by AJ Barkley. He was the head of a neighborhood and community leading lending at bank of America. So this is just, um, another, it's just repeating mm -hmm. essentially where now, of course they say that there's extensive underwriting requirements. Um, 
but oh, what does that actually look like? Well, this is the beginning part of it. And as we go further and further down this path, those underwriting requirements might be a l- relaxed just a little bit. I don't know. But it's crazy you see this kind of thing popping up as we're in a housing recession. Like now we're going to start helping people get these houses. They can't get these houses anymore. So we're going to step up and help everyone. I'm not trying to associate like a negative, uh, I don't, any kind of negative motivation from Bank of America. I just think that people are slowing down on their home buying. And so now they're trying to get people in. And it's the same stuff you saw in the last housing market crisis. And the real point I wanted to get across here is don't, don't fall for it. Everyone, first off, if you don't put any money down, like Charlie said, you're going to be paying interest on a, on a much larger amount. And you might end up going for a home that uh, you shouldn't be getting at the moment. Wait for the prices to come down more. They're literally doing this because they're having a hard time getting people to buy houses. And maybe that means you should wait for it to come down a little bit in the meantime. So don't get stuck in a situation that you, uh, that you can't afford I also, I also find this, like, this is actually racist to me. Like, like, okay. I have to clarify something before you do that. Okay. They do not have specifically in the rules that only black and Hispanic people can apply. No, I'm not saying that. They, that's not the racist They are just targeting specific areas where almost everyone are black or Hispanic. But if you're white and you're in that area, you can still apply for this no down payment thing. That's not that's not the racist okay. part to All me. Right. The racist part to me is in the article, they talk about how it's home ownership is more attainable for Black and Hispanic families. The racist part to me is that they they're basically saying that Black and Hispanic people can't get ahead. Mm-hmm. That 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 they're not smart enough and they haven't made the right decisions and and all of these types of things. This is the this is what I don't like about this whole uh, victim mentality. They act as if black people don't know how to get IDs or they don't know how to use the internet and they don't know how to vote. And they like, they need their handheld for all this stuff because the system is against them where it's like, I I believe in these people. I I believe that they're uh, capable human beings that if they wanted to go buy a house and they would figure out how to do it because they're smart enough to do it. Whereas, whereas bank of America and all the, and the leftists are like, Ah, well, you know, we have to do different things for these people because, uh, well, you know, racism. Mm -hmm. But you're the one being racist, assuming that they can't do it. That's That's just your (laughs) white guilt talking and some of your, you know, it's like a white savior complex that you have, you know, Mm -hmm. so we can easily write that off. That's All right, right. Let's, uh, let's go into this New York Times article. I wanted to talk about it last week. Uh, we can do it now. This is going to tie in nicely with everything else that we have to talk about today. Debtors, unite. You have nothing to lose but your shame. Shame, shame. Did you know that we've been shaming people who are in debt for a while now? Yeah. And there's no, there's no shame in it. All right. Conversations about debt are never purely about economics. They are always, also, always, also conversations about power, morality, and shame. The debate over President Biden's student loan relief plan is no exception. Immediately after the initiative was announced, opponents of debt cancellation began denouncing slacker baristas, overeducated Ivy League lawyers, and impractical lesbian dance theory majors. 
Immune to accusations of, of hypocrisy, Republican members of Congress who have received hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars in federal relief, castigated student debtors who might receive ten to 20000 in aid. All right, anything to say first there about the PPP loans that they're talking about? No. Listen, mean. Um, we don't agree with the government doing the PPP loans, but they make a hell of a lot more sense considering the fact that you literally weren't allowed to operate your business or to go to work. And so as basically compensation for stealing your livelihood away from you, they allowed you to take out these grants essentially because you knew from the time that you took them that you weren't gonna have to pay them back. They allowed you to take these to pay your workforce or to make up for lost wages because they took away your ability to earn a living, literally, like through force. Yeah. So, And not only that, if you go back and listen to our episodes when we talked about the PPP loan, we disagreed with it mm -hmm. completely. We don't – bailouts are never a principled thing. Now, whether or not you take one of those I think depends on um, – a number of factors, but for me personally, I can tell you that if the government is going to give the money away anyway, and I don't have a say in whether or not that money is going to be given away, well, then I'm going to also get a bite. You could also be more practical and say, hey, uh, my tax bill this year is $25,000, and they're offering me a $25,000 PPP loan. So I could just take that and I could pay my taxes with it. And Amen. then I basically didn't pay taxes this year because taxation is theft. Amen. Yeah. Which is essentially what you did. Only you used it so, to pay your employees. Um, you well, used I paid other my, money yeah, to yeah. pay the taxes. Yeah, I paid my employees and the yeah. utilities and, and the, the rent. Mm-hmm. You got to keep yeah. these uh, these lights on over here. Yeah, yeah. It was a stark reminder. It's just weird how the, the, the numbers were close. Pretty close to each yeah. other, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's suspiciously close, I would say. Yeah, very strange how that worked out. It was a stark reminder that shame, like wealth, is not evenly distributed in our society. This person is such a victim. I love it. For working class people, insolvency is often seen as a sign of personal ir irresponsibility. While large corporations and the wealthy routinely walk away from their obligations and are celebrated as savvy for doing so. Even now... <laughs> There is some truth in that. Mm -hmm. Some. Okay? Like the bailouts of the banks in 2008 that we disagreed with also, by the way, where Bank of America and other things that we just mentioned an article where they're doing similar things to what they did in 2008 because they operate without taking responsibility for their actions and offering products they know they shouldn't offer with, limit, with income limits and things like that that they know they shouldn't go down to. And uh, they did get bailed out by the government. And that is wrong. That is wrong. Don't agree with that. I think they're also talking about the ability to declare bankruptcy if you, if you want to as a corporation, uh, which is also, I guess, to make a slight excuse for it, that is a known risk when you are taking out any money as a loan from an institution or whatever it is that the person could file bankruptcy. That is factored into the risk and the interest that you charge everyone that you're going to have to make up for things like that. Of course, the banks can then write it off and you know, maybe pay less taxes and stuff like that. Uh, but that is a known risk. Whereas in the case of student loans, uh, money was 
forcefully taken away from other people and distributed out to extremely wealthy colleges to people who have a higher chance of becoming wealthy later in life because they have a college degree if it was a degree that's worth anything. And uh, the people that actually fronted the money for it or who were going to have to pay for it didn't have any say in the matter at, at all. So it, once again, it's, a, it's another different situation. Seems to be anyway. Even, even the seemingly innocuous phrase loan forgiveness implies culpability and blame when, the, when in reality the majority of debtors are simply struggling to make ends meet, a problem likely to be most acute for black and brown people who tend to lack family wealth and access to credit on fair terms. So I guess we'll just accept that statement and move on. <laughs> Why is our society so invested in steeping debtors in shame? Shame. The answer lies in debt's role as a core building block of our economy and unequal social order. Debt is wrapped around every necessity of life. We use credit to make daily purchases and pay for medical care, take out mortgages, finance our cars, and borrow for college. Cities and states issue debt to pay for roads and schools. Monthly repayments are often a form of wealth transfer to the affluent investors who hold these debts as assets, fueling inequality. I don't think this person understands how money works. I don't know. They don't get it yeah. at all. Or, or also the fact that you don't have to do any of those things. Mm. Like you don't have to take out a mortgage. You don't have to finance a car. You don't uh, have to, to borrow money for college. You don't have to do any of those well, things. It's just like a simple question. Do you want something... Okay, yes, you do. Do you have the money to pay for that thing? Because a lot of stuff went into creating that or providing that service or whatever it was. Okay, no. All right. Well, you could either not have it, you could either not have it, or we could let you borrow the money and you could still get it and you just pay us back when you can. Or now you that's could, an evil system right there. Or you could delay wanting it now. And you could save up the money to then get it later. Unless it's like immediate medical care or something like that. Yeah. You know, monthly repayments are a form of wealth transfer. They literally don't understand how this works. Um, you are given money by someone who had money so you can get something that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise get. Assuming that the thing you got has value, which it probably did because you paid money for it, unless it was a worthless college degree or something like that. Uh, assuming that the thing that you got had value, then that is actually a wealth transfer uh, from the rich person to you. Now, I wouldn't say transfer because they still hold that wealth and they can gain a percentage on it. But it's and like they can an reclaim their asset if they need to. It's them creating new wealth out in the economy by allowing you to get an asset that hopefully has value or can retain value. It provides value to your life. No doubt. Even if it's a car, that's going to lose value. You get a lot of value from that car over the time that you have it. And so that's actually someone with money providing value in society by lending out their money to people who don't have the money. They, If debt is a dual source of profit and power, shame is its handmaiden. Shame. The knee-jerk anger at the idea of student debt cancellation in some circles while ostensibly about fairness reflects the common th though misguided view that when one person gains another loses now they're going to bring in the idea that this is a zero sum game and they're going to try and they're going to try and argue against the zero sum ideology 
while they're also arguing that death is just a wealth transfer from poor people to rich people. Because it doesn't have to make sense to these folks. <laughs> yeah. really Imagining a zero-sum game, some ask why student loans were eliminated and not, say, medical debt. A reasonable question. But medical debt, too, should be erased as a way to ease the unjust financial hardship that getting hurt or sick often entails. It's unjust. There is no justice in you getting hurt, Charlie. Mm. And we have to right that wrong. I apparently do. So We all do. Yes. We will turn this unjust illness into just... We communally bear the responsibility <laughs> and the cross. And we must hang ourselves on that unjust medical debt. That... When it comes to the medical thing, we've already had this conversation a bunch of times in the past, but think about what you're getting for the medical debt in return. Your life. It could be your life. <laughs> it's literally yeah. your life. Yeah. You know, I've said it several times. My appendix was about to burst. I complained about the $2,000 copay I had to stop myself from dying an awful, miserable death over the span of a couple weeks from an infection or something. You're still here. I'm still here, and I complained about the $2,000. <laughs> I'm not worth two grand? Really, yeah. Nate? <laughs> I'm trying to find the camera here. Yeah. Really, Nate? Come on. I'm not worth two grand? Yeah. Well, how do we look at what we get That's from the medical it. That's system? That's about it. About, about two. I got to be worth at least that much money. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Meanwhile, the fever pitch of opposition to debt cancellation among conservative and centrist elites reflects a different fear. That debt's utility as an instrument of social control may be weakening. That's the only reason we even have debt, is so we can control society. Mm. If it weren't for people wanting to control people, we all just magically have everything for free. Or if you got 20 bucks in your pocket, nothing costs more than 20 bucks, ever. No debt. Other yeah. than that, it's just societal control. Many of today's debtors have more in common with unlucky Mesopotamian farmers subject to forces beyond their control that it may initially, than it may initially appear in a society where the federal minimum hourly wage is stuck at 725. Public services are paltry and racial and gender discrimination run rampant everywhere you look. A majority of Americans have no choice but to borrow to make ends meet. Now, it's not because of anything else other than the fact that the federal minimum hourly wage is stuck at $7.25, which almost no one makes, almost no one at all, or racial and gender discrimination, which covers, well, half the population for the gender discrimination and then racial discrimination. You add in a lot more. And we have terrible public services because we don't, Put enough. We don't pay enough in taxes. First off, well, we the be, rich people don't pay enough in taxes. That's of course. This person does. Yeah. Where student loans. Well, and then and then, these people, America, these Americans are borrowing money to make ends meet. Now define make ends meet. It's having a twenty twenty two. Uh, Ford BM Raptor. Yeah, Ford Raptor. The iPhone 14 Pro Max. Mm -hmm. Because why would you get the regular iPhone 14? No. It's just a copy of the 13. You don't want that. And you want the Pro Max so you get the few, yeah, the updated things. In a just society, yeah. that's what you would have. Exactly. Yeah. It's the, the M2 chip, brand new MacBook. 
Got to have it. Because the M1 is faster than everything else, but the M2 is even faster than that. Mm -hmm. So why would you... Poor people get the M1 chip. Yeah. Why why would you do that? Mm. It's having, uh, you know, uh, a... Every single streaming platform that you can possibly have. Netflix, HBO, Game of Thrones. How are you going to not watch Game of Thrones? Mm -mm. It is the show that you're entitled to. That's making ends meet. Okay. It's being able to go on date nights once a week to your favorite, most expensive restaurant and then out to the bar or club and spending hundreds of dollars there. Taking multiple vacations a year. Everyone needs season tickets to their Mm -hmm. favorite uh, sports team, right? You got to have the biggest house that you can afford that you probably can't afford anyway, but maximum amount that you could possibly maximum amount of square footage uh, possible, uh, even though you could get by with much. This is all making ends meet, folks. That is making ends meet. Mm. Anything above that is just greed. Right. Everyone now knows federal student loans can be canceled with the flick of the president's pen. And instead of feeling guilty and unworthy, millions of regular people suddenly feel entitled to relief. An entitlement previously reserved for society's elites. (laughs) They are the entitled ones. Yeah. Hundreds of millions of people are in debt, not because they are immoral and live beyond their means, Charlie, but because they are denied the means to live. Debt jubilees are part of the right in this wrong. But as Mr. Biden's student debt relief plan shows, they won't happen unless debtors rise up and demand them. The first step is abolishing the shame that makes us reluctant to fight for what we deserve. Deserve. You deserve for other people to pay for your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Now, this person, unfortunately, is confusing some things that have happened in history, like the 2008 2008 financial bailout and things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily disagree on those things because... I would say, like, it does seem unfair. It's like, well, you know, the rich bankers got bailed out like when they made poor choices. Mm -hmm. Why can't we get bailed out? The problem you're not seeing is that they shouldn't have been bailed out either. And what you should be fighting for, the fairness you should be fighting for, is that government stops stealing money from you and giving it to other people. Yep. So that... You had more of your own money. We just covered an article where now you're now paying more in taxes than you are for the bare necessities. The, the simple bare, bare necessities. Bare necessities. Thank you. Thank you. Good. <laughs> you know? Hey, speaking and of... look, we need to go on a bear hunt we to do. find these necessities that cost more. You want to go on a bear hunt sometime? This, yeah. Let's schedule a dude's bear hunting trip. That sounds awesome. What are you doing next week? But weekend? you know what we got to do before we go hunt this bear, Charlie? We got to grow some... Galdern beards. Gotta hide. And I've been working on it. Okay. Listen, there's another thing too. Absolutely no secret that women, the ladies, they love the beards. There's one thing we know, it's ladies. And I like growing them too sometimes when I try really hard. But tell you what, since I started using this best beard stuff, I'm not even joking. It's right here. It's Mm. right there on camera. Fighting off ladies left and right, Charlie. Let me tell you what. It's a Honestly, full-time job. My wife's a little upset that I keep using this stuff it's, because we got people banging down the door, won't leave me alone. We can't go out in public without people staring at this luscious. 
beard yeah. that I have going on right here. Okay. That's... But listen, if you want to have a good beard, it's going to take some work. Whether you want some oils, styling products, really good trimmers, there, there's a lot of stuff. Listen, there's like a beard community out there. I don't even know anything about it because they wouldn't let me in until now. Mm. <laughs> luckily. Now you're in the club. Listen, luckily we got Beard Club out there to help. As a leader in beard first men's growth and grooming, Beard Club delivers quality hardware and consumables that will help you get a better, thicker, and fuller looking beard. Now, I got some products. I just shook one of them right here. No, seriously, I got a... It's no joke, man. I'm not joking. I got some products, all right? I got this here. I got this here, growth vitamins. You can smell them. They smell legit. And my hair, I mean, it's, it's sprouting out of my face uncontrollably almost <laughs> and as someone who knows about hair loss even during covid i lost a lot of hair you do like we lost a lot of good hair out there these products do help and i know there's also one of those little uh it's like a derma roller it's like a, yeah tickles it, your face it gets down deep in those mm -hmm. follicles it and does encourages them to come out of their shells i know they're i have very introverted hair follicles yes. on my you know the, not anymore not anymore now they get because they, get they rolled up out seen of the the derma roll yeah. party but seriously you want to go to beardclub.com slash gml take the beard quiz which i failed a couple months ago but now i am acing that thing use our code gml at checkout and they'll recommend the grooming kit that's tailored to your beard's needs all right don't don't <laughs> let your beard down and not every beard's the same. All right, listen up. Grow your best beard today and take 20% off your first order when you go to beardclub.com slash GML and use the code GML. That's beardclub, beardclub.com slash GML. That's code GML for 20% off your first order. What do you think? How's that? Good luck. <laughs> Good, Good luck. luck bearding out there. You, I don't even have to get what we got. There's a, You I mean, bearders. The oils feel amazing they mm -hmm. smell good they're essential they got awesome trimmers and stuff on there anyway we'll talk about it more later all right i feel like that was pretty good okay let me tell you all about this um conversation we're going to get into this next article but i want to get you up to date on this conversation i had on nina turner's page mm. this isn't dumb bleep i said she was going to miss two weeks of dumb bleep she's making it into a lot of other episodes but she hasn't been in dumb bleep Okay, so here's her very complicated and well-thought-out tweet. Reparations, period. Okay, that's what it was right there. So I said, people who were never slaves receiving money from people who never owned slaves. And then I gave the white power symbol. Okay. <laughs> God. <laughs> it was the okay sign. Yeah. That's what I gave. I realized afterwards that that could have been looked at wrongly. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even, even think, think, I about, didn't think about it. Yeah. Oh, you racist, so, Nate. So here's the idea. Reparations. People who were never slaves are going to receive money from people who never owned slaves. That is the fact of the matter. It's in the U.S. basically impossible to work it out where a slave owner of uh, African-American slaves in the 1800s is going to pay money to a slave from the 1800s. Like, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. All right, so I made that comment. It did pretty well. Got a couple thousand likes on that thing. Bunch of retweets. This person said, this is a bad take on it. You do know that the last freed slaves died between 1960 and 1990? Looked it up. That's not true. Uh, 1972 was the most recent one, and that one was disputed. That said that that would have that person being 130 years old, which would make them the oldest human being. 
and that they uh, couldn't verify. But also, 1990 just so happens to be 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or so. that, yeah, it's not now, if that's what you're saying. Or that your grandparents probably knew people who were freed slaves. Or that your grandparents had their slaves freed. That happened more recently than you think. Or it didn't happen. Either one of those yeah. things. So just to clarify, my grandparents didn't have any slaves. They had people that worked on the farm that they paid for their labor. Okay. They didn't have any slaves. I don't know if they knew people who were, does that qualify anyone? Like, oh, did you know a guy that was a freed slave? Yeah. That surely can't qualify you for. You know a guy who murdered a guy. Mm. So then obviously you're a murderer. Yeah. So I said, so your counter argument is that if my grandparents knew somebody who was a slave or if they had slaves, which they didn't, that I should pay money to someone who also was not a slave. <laughs> and then we get then Then the thing really starts cooking. This person says it's about closing the statistical gap between black and white Americans reparations for slavery, but within the context of projects for economic and educational renewal, not necessarily individual checks sent to the descendants of slaves. Well, Peyton is this person's name. I would say, okay, well, that is much different than what everyone else is talking about. That's not what people are talking about. Because if that's what they're talking about, we've been doing that for a long time already. Yeah. And who mm -hmm. runs those projects? The government, they, the government has been running those projects since the 60s. Yeah. We've already got those things. But who do they give money to? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, another person comes in and says, you have it all wrong. It's not money to just be given. It's a debt owed. By whom? Mm. That's what I want to know. The descendants of American slavery are owed their ancestors' wages to be paid out of what money? What if you don't have the ancestors' wage theft bank account open anymore because you lost the password? Which slavery allowed by the U.S. government prevented slaves from getting? This was done through involuntary slavery. Recompense is owed. Now, what she's starting to insinuate is that the U.S. government, because they allowed slavery, then they're the ones that owe the reparations. What's the problem with that? Government doesn't have any money. Well, they, you know, they just print it. They, they, they can print it, mm. which is just going to take it from other people. It's the same, it's the same thing. All mm. right. I said, why do I need to pay someone's ancestors lost wages when I grew up in a poor family and still struggle to make my bills? Now, I don't struggle to make my bills, but it made more sense in the, in the context of the conversation. Mm, yeah. I'm speaking for other people, all right? She said, because the, the blood and sweat of those slaves built the greatest nation on earth, and you and your family have benefited from that. Have we? Have we met? Mm. So we're going to get into what my main, my main problem with all this stuff is. She says, you and your family have benefited from that. She knows nothing about my family at all. I think, I don't think I know this person. Pretty sure. I doubt she looked me up. If she would have, then she wouldn't have said that. So while their descendants were denied opportunities to build wealth. Now, if you choose to squander your opportunities, that's your fault. Mm. So guess who does have, guess who does have the responsibility? Because I was told this multiple times. She says, if you choose, you, Whitey, choose to squander your privilege or your opportunity, then that is your fault. So there is, in fact... But nothing of theirs is their fault. No, not a single bit. This is narcissism to a T. <laughs> it is. And yeah. a lot of victimhood. A lot yeah. of victimhood going on here. And I just find it... Um, now, I, I let me give a little credence... Of course. ...to the fact that what happened to the slaves was completely unfair and unjust. 
I am against it. I'm totally against it. Mm. Absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, they should have been paid for their labor. I agree with that. They should have been. And, and, uh, and I, I wish it were different. Yeah. I really do. Um, did you ever get that time machine invented? No, I'm still working on that. Okay. Yeah. So there's nothing we can do about it then? Uh, not at this time. No. Okay. But That's too bad. I'm not going to give up. See, I would have done something about it, but we don't have that time machine. So there's nothing we can do about yeah. it. Yeah. And so that's, this is one occurring theme, a reoccurring theme that happened. Here's another uh, Leroy Johnson saying, do you know how big of an economic jump you get by being white? No, please tell me. I need to go over to the economic jump office and get my money. <laughs> over 400 years of a head start to accumulate wealth. I'm 35. Thank you, sir. I know I do look good for my age. Then, when we got freedom, you were never a slave, and fought our way up, y'all would get scared and burn our towns down. I've never never done that before in my life, so we would have to start again. It's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, I feel like a lot of racism going on, and like a lot of grouping people by their mm. skin color. Now, the, the problem is, is that some of this did happen. Well, of course it happened. Like Jim Crow was real, mm-hmm. right? Segregation was real. Tulsa. Burning down it, Tulsa like, was real. Uh, pushing out black business owners and things like that were real because they were offering cheaper products at cheaper, or better products at cheaper prices. All of that was real. Now, but to group, to group people in who didn't do any of this. Yeah. To somehow shoulder the blame. That's what is preposterous. It's actual racism. Yes. That's true racism. Like you're saying that because of the color of your skin, you are <laughs> you actually have responsibility for what people who also had the same skin color as you did before you were even born. You need to find out if any of these people have any kids. <clears throat> why? Why? The reason why is because what if their kid murders someone? And no. Are yeah. they responsible then? Probably. They're responsible. They need to serve jail time for justice for I'm not what sure. their kids did. It'd be better to see if their parents or grandparents did anything bad because they would, would be responsible be. for that. Yeah. Uh, someone comments on here and says, Kenosha, Portland, and others, those weren't predominantly black cities being burned down, looted by whites. And it's a very sad thing indeed. No one in the last two or three generations has curtailed the potential for success for any black person. Many have succeeded enormously. Okay, pretty good. He says, my point My point is that many majority, or sorry, many upper middle class Americans have generational wealth. No, they don't. I'm talking about families that were able to accumulate capital before black Americans were even able to own property. There's like, there's so few of like those. You hardly could, anyone. You could like put them on one page. Mm-hmm. There's so few of them. This Like the generational wealth statistics are clear. Like it's like literally 90% seven, sorry, 70% lose it by the second. I believe it's 90% lose it by the third. So the, like the Walton family and whatever, my God, like they're literally, you could fit them on one page. I bet out of all the generational wealthy families on the list of the top 10 billionaires in the U S there is one person who inherited their wealth that they have. And it's the uh, daughter of one of the Waltons. The rest of them all started off poor. Yep. All of them. 
literally. I mean, I don't say poor, like they couldn't afford food or anything, but they didn't start off with a with a silver spoon or anything. Jeff Bezos is questionable because his mother's uh, father did seem to have a lot of money and made the first investment in Amazon at three hundred thousand uh, dollars, but he was poor up until then. So uh, there, you look through the list and you you literally get the Walton family, and and that's it. This person said once again on the same comment. Democrat Rick said, sorry, but you gained wealth. He doesn't know me, knows nothing about me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He's assuming that I'm white because of the comment that I made and therefore assuming that I'm wealthy. You gained wealth because we were the faces at the bottom of the well. Your ancestors could come live where they wanted, get loans to start businesses, which is predatory, and thrive economically. Blacks weren't allowed to even work in the same places. Damn sure couldn't live near you. You. Me. I gained wealth. Mm -hmm. Black people couldn't live near me because I'm white. Therefore, I fit the bill for this entire sob story. I think you grew up surrounded Mm -hmm. by black people. (laughs) I did. I did. I was the only white person in my class whenever I started elementary school before I moved to Vienna. Yeah. So... Yeah, very literally the the town that you grew up in is predominantly black and minority. Eighty five percent, I would say. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. My dad has a lot of workers, but they couldn't live near you. No, no, can't live near me. It's like a sign at the end of the road, basically. Yeah. Um, The other thing is, I find this odd thing. A lot of times, what you hear about is the fact that black people couldn't get loans. Well, what did we just learn about loans from the previous article that we read? I thought loans were like a bad thing that was set up for a system to keep people down. Now we're saying that because people couldn't get loans is one of the reasons that they were held back. I thought loans were made to hold people back. Which one is it? It's all of the things at the same time. It doesn't have to make sense, Nate. I said to this person, could you let me know the login to my wealth accumulation account because I must have misplaced it? They said, if your ancestors squandered their white privilege, blame them. They had real opportunity that black people did not have. And I said, if being a professional victim paid well, I'm pretty sure you'd be the richest man on this thread. And, so, and look, that black people did have it really hard for a long time. Yeah. But there is not like... What the other lady said is completely true. In the last couple generations, there have not only have there been nothing, has there been nothing to hold black people back as far as laws or anything else is concerned. There's actually been the reverse with the Civil Rights Act and everything, the um, the laws and the special programs and everything to help black people. The war on poverty. The war on poverty. Yeah. Yes. That was all designed to help. So not only is, not only, well, let's see. I think the reparations are paid, by the way, because we spent about $20 trillion on the war on poverty. About 26 by this article Sorry, right here. $26 trillion. And probably more. That That's just war on poverty. There's been other things spent. I mean, how often do we see these bills come out and they say that they're going to specifically target investments towards minority communities, stuff like that. We've been doing that for a long time. Mm. I mean, this has been happening our entire lives. We've been seeing specific money doled out because of the color of your skin. I've told the story several times. My wife, when we first moved here, tried to get financial aid to go to college, couldn't get it. The person that was doing the financial aid said what they shouldn't have said. 
I think maybe he was having a bad day, but he said, if you were black or you had a bunch of kids, I would be able to give you money. But because you are who you are, I can't give you anything. Literally. She's an oppressed woman. She is oppressed. Yeah. She's, she's part, but she's not high enough up on the victimhood hierarchy. So there's a lot of people above her. Yeah. Yeah. And what we have to realize is that everyone has different, everyone has different situations. Charlie and I both grew up poor. I know it sounds made up, but we're both really poor. And you are going to make society way worse if you start using tax money to give to people because of something that happened 150, 200 years ago, or even 50 years, even before they were born, that some of their hard-earned money that they make and they spend their time making goes to that person simply because of what a bunch of people that you didn't know did bad. That's going to make you disagree way with? worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's not going to help at all. That's going to send us real hard down the wrong path. And it seems really racist to me to, to tell me that I gained wealth because of, why are you looking at me and saying I gained wealth? Like, where's, where's the wealth? I don't know where it is. I oh. guess I squandered it. I, and that's my fault. Once again, that's my responsibility to take advantage of my white privilege. It's no one else's responsibility to do anything, but it's on the white people who are poor that's on them because they didn't take advantage of their white privilege. That's not going to help y'all. Just ain't going to work. Yeah. It's, you have a stop at one, don't you? Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. This whole, uh, this is a big problem with our culture, I think. And we've talked a lot about this um, in our culture with this victimhood mentality and it's everyone else's fault. It's like, sure, there are things that are completely unfair about your life. And this goes for everyone. Right. Um, I mean, do you think, who do you think has it better? The black kid who grows up with uh, parents who are both educated at Harvard and have really good jobs? Um, or like the kid who grows up with a single mother who's also a drug addict and uh, beats her kids and they've, she has cancer and the kid has cancer? Or wh- who's going to be more successful? Probably the, the, the black kid. The white one. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what they would say. But here's, like, here's the answer, Charlie, that you're getting towards. Look at this poverty rate. Uh, families with children in official poverty. This red line up here, that one up there, that's a single parent household. That's the poverty rate right there. This blue line right there that's been running basically sideways since the uh, war on poverty started. That one is pretty much at the same rate right now. Been running pretty much sideways the whole time. Uh, the one with the single parent families is over twice the amount as the married families with children. And that is actually the answer, regardless of the color of your skin. When you look at the percent of children in a single parent household, so of all children that are in a single parent household, 11 per, so it's 23% total of the children are uh, are in a single parent household. Uh, 11% of those are Asian. 15% of those are white. 26% of those are Hispanic. And 49% of those are black. And then you go back and you say, let's look at the people who are in poverty. It's the people who are single parent households. And I'm not trying to sit here trying to fix our society or anything and try and fix marriage and fix the family unit. Or the couple. But there's really hard data on this to suggest that what you got to do to get ahead in life 
is wait until you're in your 20s sometime to have a kid after you've been married, after you finished college or got established at a job or whatever it was, and just make smart decisions. And you'll be able to be in the top 5%. Thomas Soul talks about this a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. So, all right, y'all. Well, if you enjoyed today's name, if you enjoyed Nate's Twitter fight, <laughs> then go follow us on Twitter uh, at Good AM Liberty. Good morning's too long, so Good AM Liberty. AM is not the radio station; it's for morning, mm. like in the AM. Gotcha. Good AM Liberty at Good AM Liberty on Twitter. Follow all the socials. We haven't pushed that in a long time. Uh, YouTube, TikTok, we're we're out there everywhere. Just search for Good Morning Liberty. You'll find us. Go to joingml.com. Go to natescrashcourse.com. That's natescrashcourse.com to get a crash course on the market. You have until Friday to use promo code CRASHCOURSE40. CRASHCOURSE40. That's promo code CRASHCOURSE40 to save 40% off of Nate's crash course. Say that eight times fast (laughs) if you want to. So natescrashcourse.com. Uh, we got merch. We've got all kinds of things. There's many ways to support us. We appreciate every single thing you do. We were, we have an interview we did on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure when that's being released. We're going to exactly. skip an episode this week sometime and put the interview but out. We were talking about uh, that. And uh, just so you guys know, we've been basically blacklisted everywhere from most of our monetary. Uh, we've been defunded. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, and so any way that you guys can support us is very helpful. Um, obviously, the show is going to go on. We're not going to let that stop us. But we've been we've been demonetized on base on literally every platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the the best ways to support us is buying merch. So you get something in return, joining the live group, something like that. Uh, buy Nate's course, uh, Nate's crash course. Uh, everything that we offer has value to it. Uh, so it's not like uh, you're just paying us money for the show. The show's free. Uh, we do ads, so we do have some revenue coming in that way. But everything else we've been blacklisted on for what God only knows. I mean, we got a strike one time on YouTube because we read a, an article from the CDC. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's impressive. And they do this. The reason why they do this is because most people are going to give up. But they've run into a problem with uh, Nate and I, which is uh, we're not going to do that. We don't give up. We don't give up. Nope. So we're going to keep going. But we no, would leave it. <laughs> we would appreciate your help in any way that you can support us. Uh, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, it's not just help. We're exchanging value. That's right. Yeah. Hey, you you scratch our back and we'll scratch yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. Funny thing about my back. Especially if you buy a shirt. Yeah. Because that shirt, as it goes over your back, is scratching it at the same time. Softly. They're soft shirts. It's not like we're giving you, uh, you know. Things, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> you know the thing. Go do some stuff. All right? And if you do some stuff, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>